This time on Holy Ghost Notes. Hey, leave your church. It was full-blown panic mode. You are just hurting yourself. No! I'm trying to be a better person. Dun, 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 dun. Hello and welcome to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. This is episode 97. My name is Mac Reiner, and I'm with my co-host Tim Anderson. Hey, hey. We are here at home in my studio, and Tim is at home in his basement. And yeah. uh, we just caught up a little bit in the pre-roll. Tim, I want to know, what has it been like for you selling a house, buying a house, and everything that happens in between? Dude, it's been crazy. Mm-hmm. Last time I moved, I did not have kids. And I was moving much less stuff. I had much, much less belongings <laughs> that mm-hmm. I had to move to a house. I also much wasn't trying things. to sell a house. Yeah, much fewer things. Um, and so uh, it's been it's been crazy, man. Because um, just because we're moving or, you know, selling, buying new house, nothing changes in my day-to-day, right? I still right. have a full-time job, as does my wife. We still have both kids one of them still goes to school. The other still goes to daycare. <laughs> we still have to cook for our, for our family. We still have to clean and straighten up. We still have to get the kids to bed every night. So mm-hmm. everything has basically stayed the same from the hours of 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Nothing mm-hmm. really can change a whole lot in there. Um, I might spend whatever free time I have a little bit differently. <laughs> but for the most part, it's the same day to day. It's what happens after that. Mm-hmm. that has, uh, you know, really caused me to lose sleep. And not because of stress or <laughs> anything. Literally, I'm just working until <laughs> until I pass out. Uh, so it's been, it's been crazy. Um, but what I've realized about myself is when I'm faced with just a lot, a lot of stuff, and I know it's just going to be a lot of work and there's no... Uh, there's no resolve to it. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see an end to it. It's much harder for me to attack it full force because Mm -hmm. similar to what we talked about with like pacing when you're drumming, like if you know how long your set is, you can kind of prepare yourself and pace yourself accordingly. Like for me, I'm just, I'm just hitting this full throttle because I Mm -hmm. know that I can sleep again in a couple months when, mm-hmm. <laughs> after I'm done moving. So it's just like I'm driving it. Um, but it would be much harder for me right now, mentally speaking, mm-hmm. if I didn't see that end promise. You know, like, right. at, you know, I know mid-May, this is all going to be over. Mm-hmm. There's going to be stuff to do, sure, but there's not going to be this, like, sense of urgency and this, like, just pile of work to do that I have to somehow squeeze into my lifestyle. Right. So, um, interesting. So it's actually been good for me, and um, I'm feeling good. There was like uh, like a week ago, we all got the stomach bug, so that kind of like put us out for like a few days. So it just was a mess. But um, other than that, been hitting it hard, been getting stuff done. You know, um, the house is looking really good. Like things are organized. I'm like seeing the potential. Like I feel like I wish I would have been living in my house this way 
all along. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so much stuff that we just don't need on the day-to-day that is out now. And uh, <laughs> things are clean and organized and straightened up. There's space. You know, it's just like, man, why didn't I do this sooner? But, yeah, a lot has happened. But at the same time, I'm uh, still sitting here on the on the couch recording a podcast episode, still in the same house. Uh, mm-hmm. So not much has changed in that regard. But uh, mm-hmm. what about you? You're you're back home for at least a, a short time, right? Yeah. So I was going to say it's amazing how similar our mindsets are right now, even though our lives are completely different. Mm. I just finished leg one of the 20-year anniversary tour last Wednesday. And you know what? The only reason I'm home right now is because we needed to have that light in the middle of the mountain as you're going through the tunnel. So the way I would phrase it is like, we could be doing this whole tour in one big chunk and it would be six or seven weeks, 44, 45 shows. Mm. But instead we decided to split the tour into two legs. So we have like one month break, just, just shy of a month. And then 24 or 25 more shows to go, which is another month effectively. Yeah. So instead of you saying, oh my gosh, this tour is so long, I'm exhausted, and I can hardly see the end of the tour. It's so far away. We just basically drilled down through the mountain and opened up this area in the middle of the tunnel, going right through the mountain, and now we're just sitting here recuperating and honestly catching up at home. It's amazing to me how things always work out in life. You're talking about how... You have no idea how you're doing all this is kind of the way that I hear it, but you're you're doing it one day at a time. You're not getting enough sleep <laughs> and your life is crazy. But if you were to go back and do this as a single guy, you'd probably be saying the same thing. I, I can't imagine how it could be any busier. I'm just taking a day at a time. And now look how much more responsibility you have and you're still able to manage it. That's just yeah. the way life is that you take on and manage whatever is happening in your life and you might get less sleep, but somehow it all it works work. out. Isn't that yeah. wild to think about? Mm-hmm. So I came home and there were some issues with my farmhouse that uh, I'm having to work on. And I'm just like, thank God I'm home and able to deal with this and not on tour having to call people and arrange how to do this. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just been so awesome to be home and obviously spend time with my wife and um, just recuperate and catch up and start working on taxes and all of the normal things that you don't get to do because you're on tour traveling, things you kind of forget about. Yeah. So I'm home for another three weeks. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be two and a half weeks. And it's an exciting week for ABR. We have a new album coming out on the 24th. That's it amazing. It's called Death Below. And uh, we've released three singles so far. And um, are playing two of the songs on on tour, which has been really fun for us to Wait a showcase so our new stuff. So this is so the album's coming out the day before this episode is released. Meaning, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, the album came out yesterday. Correct. Let's talk about the album a little bit. I don't think we I don't think we've gotten into the album at all. No, we haven't. Let's which is fine. That. Which yeah. is fine. But um, our new album is called Death Below. It's our first release with a record label called Sharp Tune. We were with Fearless prior to this. Did some stuff on our own, actually, in between Fearless and Sharp Tune. And then prior to that, we were with Solid State. So it's our mm-hmm. third record label. 
and our 10th full length. <laughs> wow. A lot of songs. A lot of years. Yeah. I was just wearing my 20-year anniversary ABR hat, but I, I took it off because Tim was making fun of me, which is good. <laughs> he should be making fun of me. Sometimes I feel like I can get away with wearing my own band's merch because I've been in the band for 20 years, but um, you're right, Tim. It's not okay. It's not okay. Not and okay. for those of so, you in bands, I'm sure you've uh, all experienced that as well. Getting mm-hmm. flack for wearing your own, own band's merch. Is it okay to wear if, my own farm merch, though? <laughs> I mean, what? Fine. I don't know. Uh, is it? I, I feel like it's I wear, okay. I wear the podcast hoodie all the time, <laughs> mostly because it's the most comfortable piece of clothing that I own. <laughs> right. <laughs> HGN. I'm going to wear this. Shout it's out. comfortable. It is a very comfortable hoodie. My wife would agree with it. that. So, um, anyway, our new album comes out. It's out if you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. And we're very, we're obviously very proud of it. I mean, we, we are careful to take care of all the details and are, I think, pretty meticulous with everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything August Burns Red, we, 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 are, we are proud of um, because we've spent time making it the way we want it to be. So the goal is that people love it and embrace it and support it. But more than anything, we have to like it and be proud That's of great. it, and we certainly are. So it comes out, um, it's out. I keep saying it, it's coming out. It's kind of a weird thing. It's out, pick it up, check it out, stream it, which is probably what you will do. Mm-hmm. And let us know what your favorite song is or what you like about the album or uh, what you maybe dislike the first time around. I would also say there's a lot of mm, depth to this album, both lyrically and musically, so don't hmm. just listen to it once and say, ah, I've heard it once. I'm good. Give it a couple spins and see what you think. I like that. Um, my favorite part of the album is the song I wrote lyrics for, which is called Reckoning. The guest artist on that song is Spencer from Under Earth. Nice. And it was it was really fun. I, I got to sit down with him on Zoom, actually. And we're sitting just like we are right now, and I'm I'm explaining to him what the song is about lyrically. And, you know, he's asking me, so what... What are you thinking for my part? Do you want me to just take creative liberties and do whatever I think I should do? Or do you want me to fit inside of a, a box you have in mind? And we worked together and he obviously killed it. He's he's, a, he's an incredible musician. and Yeah. It, it was a, a neat moment for me as a fan of Under Oath for so many years to have the vocalist for the band on a song I wrote lyrics for as we celebrate 20 years as a band. Yeah, it was a That's really very cool. very neat thing to have him featured. Yeah. That's awesome. So, if there's one thing uh, to keep in mind while listening to this album, for for anyone listening here, what's something like? So, I'm sure that you guys are going to have interviews. You're going to be on, uh, you know, featured on different blog articles, maybe some, you know, magazines, what have you probably answering a lot of the same questions, you know, what was the recording process like? What's your favorite song on the album? All the, all the standards. What is something for someone listening to Holy Ghost Notes right now that you would say candidly is something important to keep in mind or to listen for, or just something unique that you might be able to bring to our listeners as they listen to this new album? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, musically speaking, I would say that we've 
matured in the last two or three years since our last since our last release. But more than that, I would say we've matured a lot in the last 10 years and even going back more than that. Mm. Uh, obviously, there's going to be maturity, but I think on this album you can hear me as a drummer sitting in a drum part for longer mm. and not being as ambitious to change what I'm playing so that it's exciting or keeps the attention of the listener. I think yeah. that it's more musical because of that. It's not as sporadic and unexpected. Yeah. For example, we have a song called Backfire where I do a blast beat for about a minute <laughs> straight and I don't really deviate from it besides what symbol I'm hitting. Yeah. Which I yeah. think adds to the part quite a bit because you're able to settle into it and hear the vocals and hear the guitar lead on top of it and it builds this anticipation. Someone recently said, I can't believe I had never heard of this before. I've heard of tension and release in music, but someone mm -hmm. said the kick drum provides the tension and the snare is the release. So you go, and of course that's true when you think about that, but um, sorry for my, that was actually a cool rhythm. I might have to, <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> I was like, which song is that? I'll go, I'll go listen to that one first. <laughs> Just wrote it. It's called Deep V. Deep V. Uh, so I'd say that's one thing musically to take away. Lyrically, I, I really only feel like I can talk about the song I wrote lyrics for, yeah. which is called Reckoning. And the song is about me struggling with this idea of how do I reconcile that I constantly feel this need to perform and to do better and to do enough and to show up and to almost manufacture my own salvation, my own... Um, how, how am I supposed to be worthy of God's grace and God's love and God's acceptance? I feel like I have to do something for that. Hmm. It can't just be as simple as me saying, God, I'm so sorry. I don't have enough. I don't have what it takes. I need you. And I'm inviting you into my life. It can't just be that simple. And so I was sitting down writing this lyric and there were some other things happening in my life, but it's, it's really about how when the, when the gavel falls and justice is served, it can't be based on what we've done. And if we live our lives as Christians thinking we can do enough, it creates this anxiety and nervousness and fear. And mm. the way that I would summarize it, it's like walking a tight, ro a tight rope. It is like walking a tight rope between two skyscrapers with death below. As soon as I started to think about God's grace and provision in my life, the tightrope became a bridge. And when you think of a bridge, you think of yourself taking a stroll and actually having this lookout and leisurely time. Actually, you can enjoy the space between these two skyscrapers. You don't have to worry for your life that you're going to yeah. fall to your death. And uh, so I, I, I wrote the lyric with 
that idea in mind and means a lot to me because it's it's still something I'm working through and it's still something that is challenging for me to wrap my head around how that is true. Yeah. And yet that is what the Bible says. That is challenging true. for all of us, man. You're we, not alone in that. We we our best day is awful and filthy and terrible and not even close to good enough. We will always fall short. So what do you do with that information? You say, well, yeah. actually, that's the most freeing thing in the world because it's not based on my performance, but on his. Absolutely. Actually, and funny enough, my pastor just preached a message on Sunday, which I'm going to post this clip of a sermon that um, he preached. I texted him. I'm like, is this okay? It's heavy, but it is really good. And he's like, yeah, it was a challenging message for me to, to deliver, which I think he meant much like we're saying, this is a hard reality for us to face. Yeah. Imagine being a pastor who has to deliver the message and, uh, well, take that, take that step of faith being like, I believe this, even though I haven't mastered it in my own life. Right. Absolutely. I love that, man. That is cool. So, uh, and that leads us, I, I, I want to just like take that and run with it, but <laughs> I know you're we'll pick it up somewhat limited. Yeah, we'll pick it up another time. You're somewhat limited on time, and we have some. We have two slamming topics, uh, <laughs> like this. So I, posted, I think so. For, for anyone like who uh, so. <laughs> who follows us on social media, I posted a, a reposted a story um, from this page uh, that might offend a lot of you, but it's called "It's Church Chad," and uh, the the guy is just like literally hit on so many things that anyone who grew up in the church would understand. Most people find fun in it. Some people take it a little bit too seriously. Um, anyway, I reposted this uh, this skit of a podcast, uh, <laughs> like the making fun of podcasters, and like just saying all the cliche. Like, let's get right into it. Let's let's get right into this topic. This topic is so good. Uh, we're going to talk about it now. Let's get right into it. <laughs> it's just so funny. So now every time <laughs> for the for the rest of my life as a podcaster, I'm going to think about yes. that video every single time. Let's get right into I it. I start talking about the pod podcast topics and say, hey, yeah. let's, we're, we're going to get right into it. All right, so, so let's get right into it. Without uh, further the drum ado. topic. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's just on the nose. <laughs> we're going to do it. So our drum topic today, Tim? Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to take it, but I'll, I'll go with it. I was going uh, to, but this, I'm going to take I, the faith topic. So okay. All right. All right. So this, this one, I, I, I really like this, this idea. Um, and the more I thought about it and, and unpacked it, the more I realized how massive this topic is. Um, and we could probably talk for hours and hours on this, um, both on the drum side of things and just life in general. Like it kind of is a massive topic. So the topic is things I wish I knew. And by that, we mean things that as a drummer now with X amount of years of experience, things that I know now that I wish I had known when I was first starting drumming or in my mm -hmm. early stages of drumming. So we're going to try to keep it to drums, <laughs> even though we could easily take that concept and run with it all over the place. We'll keep it um, to 15 minutes. And I, we'll, I think we'll that will help short. us stay focused. Yeah. Uh, the general thought process here is I wish someone would have told me then what I know now. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's something you tell other people who are just starting out. Right. So, I, man, I wish I had known that. And the, the thought 
as you're getting into this, maybe just to sort of give you some parameters of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna let you go. You, you go, okay. and we'll 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 come back. Because yeah. usually so that, th- that that tends to create some good, you know, some good. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what what comes out of this, at least from my perspective, is for for anyone listening who is starting their drum journey, and I know there's a number of you because a number of you have reached out to me and just said, I love listening to this podcast as a new drummer. I'm gonna learn a lot, you know, and that's that's awesome. So this topic is definitely for you. But for anyone who's been drumming for many, many years, I think this, like thinking about this really helped me kind of put some things into perspective and help me really appreciate the time that, you know, I've spent cutting my teeth and learning uh, because I started realizing how much I've actually learned. Um, And so for any of you experienced drummers listening, I would recommend putting some time, not just listening to this these topics and listening to our ideas of what we wish we had known, but also spend some time thinking about what you wish you had known. Because even though you can't go back in time and tell your younger self these things, it really creates some perspective, um, which is huge, I think. Um, So anyway, I'll kick it off and then I'll hand it over to Matt to talk about one of his and then we can kind of go back and forth and you know, share some laughs. <laughs> so, um, one thing that I wish I knew as a drummer, um, is when, when I was younger, I had so much time, so much time. <laughs> and I didn't realize how much time I actually had. Um, and so I was always playing drums or practicing to get somewhere. It was always, um, I need to do this. I need to play and practice this part because I want to get signed. Because I want to join this band. Because I need to be able to play this part when we record. There was always a reason, and I was playing for that reason, thinking ahead, and I was never playing for myself in the moment. And I wish that I had just enjoyed it more when I was, when I had six hours in a day to play drums, you know, like now I would give anything just to sit and play for the Mm -hmm. sake of sitting and playing. And, And back in the day when I was younger, it was never for the sake of sitting and playing. I mean, maybe really early on when I first started and there was no ambition, I had no idea if I'd even pursue it, you know, but once I did, I let a lot of the things that could be get in the way of what was. Mm -hmm. And so if I could go back and tell myself as a young drummer, uh, something to help to bet to benefit myself, it would be really enjoy this playing time. Mm -hmm. Don't think about what's to come. Don't play. I mean, sometimes it's exciting to, to think and theorize and anticipate what could be, you know, sometimes it's, cool to put yourself in a position where you close your eyes when you're on your kit in your basement and you picture a crowd of 10,000 people in front of you. You know, that's, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that, but just make sure that what you're doing is enjoying that moment and Mm. not simply working, not simply putting the work in to prepare for something that might come about someday or Mm -hmm. prepare, you know, it's that portion of it is important to an extent to get you to the place where you're playing at a level that is, you know, ready to 
record in the studio, ready to play with this band, ready to get signed, whatever that may be. That's great. But just enjoy it more. Like <laughs> I would have put so much more time in knowing that I'll never get this, I'll never have this much time again in my life. Mm-hmm. Let me actually enjoy it instead of just working. So that's that's mm-hmm. number one for me. It's great. Mine is similar to that in some ways. Okay. So the first thing that made me think of this topic was when I was on this last tour, I was teaching. And uh, I had this idea as I was showing a student, here's how my pedals are set up. And I said, my spring tension is as high as it gets. My beaters are just past a 45, maybe a 50 degree angle. My footboard is elevated most of the way. And the reason for this is let the pedal do the work. Let the beater swing back. Don't limit that fulcrum or that motion, much like when you're drum teacher or when you figure out when someone shows you, really all you have to do is tell the stick to go down. You do not have to pull the stick back up. It's like bouncing a basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going over that with a student. And I'm literally on my on my hands and knees, like showing him the settings. And I had this thought. I'm like, oh my gosh, I used to do this all mm-hmm. the time by myself in my practice space. I would be down in between my snare drum stand and my throne, sort of, you know, finding my way down there. And I'm like curving my body around trying to get this thing figured out, right? You can all picture this as drummers. We've all been there. Yeah. And <laughs> for me, I, I, I thought about it. And I'm like, I did this a lot. Why did I adjust my spring tension so much? Why was I messing with my pedals and my cams and my footboard angle and different style beaters and oh my gosh oh because I thought when I was playing and couldn't play up to speed or I wasn't where I wanted to be I could adjust gear or acquire new gear or make changes so that I could be where I wanted to be yeah and so what tended to happen was I was adjusting my pedals all the time because double bass for me, has always been the most challenging part of drumming. It's not even it's not even close. So, what did I do? If I was struggling with a kick pattern, I would go down, adjust my pedals, try to make an adjustment that would suddenly, magically, instantaneously <laughs> make my double bass better. But what happened was um, I was taking so much time away from practicing, and I was getting in my own head about the fact that gear would be part of this equation. The reality is, I wish someone would have told me then what I know now, which is gear is a small factor, a small percentage of the total equation making you the drummer you are today. The Mm -hmm. largest percentage, the largest chunk, the largest factor is you, obviously. Yeah. I mean, we all know this as we're talking about it, but I look back and I think, man, I spent a lot of time... Being like, I can't play double bass 16th notes at 180 BPM. Got to be my pedals. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I tightened up the springs too much. Well, yeah, no wonder. I mean, it's it's so much harder to push them down. Uh, so you loosen them up. And uh, it's exhausting to constantly be adjusting things. The The options today are even more unlimited than they were then. If you look at it mm-hmm. at, at an expensive advanced pair of double bass pedals, there are so many things you can adjust. On some pedals, it, it seems 
almost limitless. Like you can adjust the cam this direction, but you can also adjust the footboard this other direction. And the beater can sit in the middle of the two. But think if you have three different factors, right? You just mm -hmm. you can go if crazy. You switch out the beater. You could put a pad on the head. You could uh, use a drivetrain chain, or you could, <laughs> yeah, it's like mm -hmm. unlimited. Yes. It's crazy. And by the way, I used a strap on my double bass pedals. I didn't use really? a chain. I, I used the Tama Iron Cobras with the yellow strap, and I swore that was wow. the reason that I was good at double bass. And then I went to a chain, and I'm like, these feel exactly the same. <laughs> like, why, why did I put myself through the misery of replacing these straps every once in a while? All I'm saying is, if you're like... I used to be, and still am sometimes, and you're thinking, I have to adjust this gear to get it just right so that I can play drums the way I want to play. Don't discontinue that altogether. In other words, you should still care about what you play and how it's set up. That's mm -hmm. important. But much more important than that is the fact that you're practicing 90% more than you're adjusting or thinking about gear because gear is really about 10% of the equation yeah. mm -hmm. and drum companies and cymbal companies and everyone is trying to sell you on the idea that it's actually really not so much you as it is what you're playing. If you want a really awesome sounding drum set buy a DW. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, DWs can sound awesome. If the drummer playing them is pretty good at what he does, a $300 drum set off of Facebook marketplace can be an awesome sounding drum set, depending on how amazing yeah. the drummer is that's playing it. I mean, this is the truth, and you're just not aware of that when you're just starting out. At least I was not. So it's it's similar to you in some ways in that if you're having fun playing and you're thinking less about a goal you have in mind or a gear, a piece of gear that you want to acquire or a setting that you want to perfect, that's that's okay, but what you're not doing at that point is having fun. At least I was not in my Enjoying experience. It. It was yeah. so taxing. Yeah. It was uh it was exhausting. And you, yeah. you I would feel frustrated more than I felt like I was having a good time. Yeah. And I mean there's two different cases here. I mean, for you, it definitely paid off putting that work in and that time and now you're doing it, you know. For me, mm -hmm. I played drums so much more in those days. I don't really play that much anymore. So if I had known back then that like, hey, you're gonna be uh, you know, working dad and you're not going to have as much time to play drums down the road. Enjoy mm -hmm. this. Like, that would have mm -hmm. just made all the difference. But a caveat mm -hmm. to what you just said, another thing I would have told myself back in the day, kind of right in rhythm with, with you, uh, no pun intended, is mm -hmm. that in most <laughs> cases, um, when you start playing shows as a new band, young drummer, you don't actually get to play on your kit that you have perfected. Mm -hmm. If you've spent the time like getting all your stuff tuned up and everything positioned right and uh, <laughs> like go play a show at a dive bar on a backline kit and see how much <laughs> all of that time and effort perfecting your kit at home actually helps mm -hmm. you in the long run. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, I would have spent more time practicing just to be a versatile drummer that could play mm -hmm. with poorly tuned old heads on a kit <laughs> and cracked cymbals, uh, a completely different sized kick drum, different pedals potentially, different heights, you know, cymbal heights. Uh, like I wish I would have spent more time yeah. just being able to 
play better regardless of what my kit, you know, was set up like. Because once I started playing shows, I was like, I rarely get to use my kit anyway. Mm, Sometimes really? I get to use my cymbals. I'll put my cymbals on the stands that are there. Uh, right. I mean, for the longest time, I practiced with with uh, three rack toms or two two rack toms and the floor tom, right? right. Three toms. And then I'd get to the club. I wasn't allowed to use my kit. I could use my There's snare, my cymbals. One but down. I had, yeah, I had a 12 inch and a, and a 14 or a 16 on the floor. And it was like, oh, I have Panic. to completely change Your how I'm playing this song. And so then I started practicing with two toms. So it's like the versatility, practicing versatility would have helped me way more than spending time doing exactly what you just said, which is. <laughs> adjusting the uh, tension yep. on your snare, adjusting yeah. the you know the uh, the tension on your pedals, like the, all those things. At the end of the day, when you start playing a lot, um, unless you're the headlining act, which in most cases it's not you know it's not going to be the case starting out. Uh, you're not going to like none of that matters at the end of the day. You have to be able yeah, to play the kit and play with what you got in front of you. That's a that that's a really good point that I, I think has um I mean it has a lot of merit obviously because you might be in a position where you're you're still playing your own kit. Like I very rarely ever had to play a backline kit. And when I but but when I did, it was full really? blown panic mode. You didn't have to play backline kits like start like starting out, really? Very oh. rarely. In fact I remember Jeez. the first time I had to and I wanted to throw myself off the back of the stage. I was so scared. And I was I was just panicked, like, how am I going to get this thing set up exactly like my kid at home? I don't have the dimensions right. I don't have my carpet spiked. So what you're saying is is, is so right, but m- more than just for reasons that you might not be able to play your backline kit. because, Or I'm sorry, your kit. Because I mm-hmm. mostly was able to play my kit. But I think back, like when you were talking, I'm thinking about Giuseppe, who used to play for Once Nothing, Haste the Day, and now he's with the Devil Wears Prada. And I see him sitting down in a kit anywhere, anytime, doesn't matter the configuration, and just playing. And that was not me. I had to have everything set up and tuned the way I wanted it to. Otherwise, I felt like I couldn't, literally couldn't play the drums. That was such a limitation for me. And more than anything, if you're listening to this, it really takes away from your not only your potential as a drummer, like your versatility, but also the fun in playing drums. Because For sure. what you're saying is, yes, that's a drum set, but it might as well be, it might as well be a piano. And I don't play <laughs> piano. It's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, wait a right. second. It's it's that's you can set. hit those things. It's like, yeah, but it's it's nothing like my drum set. It's like what? Yeah. It's like saying, yeah, I can drive, but it it has to be. A Lamborghini. And it's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. look at all these cars. Most cars are not Lamborghinis. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but there are some Lamborghinis out there. I have one. Yeah, but not everyone does. And by the way, it's really not all that practical to think that everyone's gonna have a Lamborghini. <laughs> um that that's my that was my approach to playing drums. I will never forget being in Europe on one of our first tours. It was a couple it was actually like two or three years into touring Europe. It might have been like two thousand nine. Mm. We were with a band called Cavalera Conspiracy. Some of the guys from Sepultura, and we played a one-off in Amsterdam at a venue called Paradiso. I remember everything about this because it was so. I was so scared. I was I I was scared. Oh my gosh, I was so scared. They did not have the ability to let me load my kit in. I think because of time. So I I have two rack toms and one floor, 
the house kit they had only had one rack and one floor. And I'm like, how in the world am I going to play Endorphins, which is a song on Thrill Seeker, with just one rack tom and one floor? I know all the fills based on there's one, there's two, I can come back to the snare. So before the show, I'm just sitting here on a practice pad trying to re rewrite all my fills and make sure I can get everything right because it's all muscle memory and I'm panicked and I feel like crap. And I get up there and I'm just so scared that I can't do this. I don't want you, if you're listening to this, if you're, especially if you're starting out, to find yourself in a situation like that. So I think this is really good advice. Try yeah. to be more versatile, versatile, as Tim would say, in your... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, 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 I think I feel like you say something else, you in in, in a unique way Jer to like Jersey, je like Jello shots or so something. How do you say Jello <laughs> shots? <laughs> Ubic. I don't know. <laughs> what did you just say? How do you say pubic? Is that right? Do you say that right? I Jello shots. That's I yeah. Know. I said Jello shots. I can't. I'm not okay. Anyway, we'll just <laughs> wow, that was interesting. Okay, that was quite the tangent. Um, I I feel like we have to get into our faith topic now, just because that just <laughs> that was a car crash. Sanctify everything, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I think. <laughs> Wait, you're going back to, into it. To, That's yeah, what we just to, said. We're not I need to. <laughs> I need to end it off. I need to end it off. I feel like there hasn't been this resolve, this resolution. I like that. So. You really do have to be in control. I don't do you? have to. It's, be, it's like I, I have said to in have the, the last circle. word. You really do. <laughs> I have to have the last word. I never even realized this about myself until today when you pointed it out to me. <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> okay. It's a character Tim. flaw, guys. I'm working on it. Take it uh, away. Now I'm working on it. Now that it's been uh, made aware to me, right? Uh -huh. That's the first, For the first step time is, ever. Is, uh, Great is, Scott Marty. <laughs> It's just like you have to be become aware of it. You have to admit to it. <laughs> That's the mm. the start of. Go uh, ahead, Tim. Yeah, have okay. your have your final word. You just all right. My final word. You're and having several this. final words. Uh -huh. <laughs> you'll like. You'll sure like. I will. This. I'm so sure I will. So if you're if you're you know, <laughs> I'm I'm sure that when you when we first presented this topic idea, a bunch of things came to mind. Oh yeah, they're going to talk about this, and it wouldn't surprise me if the things that we did actually talk about as far as what we would tell ourselves, aren't the things that you thought we would talk about. <laughs> um, and I think uh, that might, that I mean, that says something. Because I've thought about a lot of things and there were a lot of simple answers, like, oh yeah, I would have told myself this, I would have told myself that. But really, like the things that we drilled down to today were basically <laughs> all within the same sphere of thinking, right? Which is just the things that we spent more time doing didn't matter, right? Um, and I think that says something and might be a really good approach to analyzing your playing as a new drummer and even analyzing your playing now. Like, what things do we mm -hmm. still do? Like, if, if we go 10 years down the road and we're saying, I wish I would have told myself 10 years ago this. Like, like what things are we doing now that are just unnecessary? Mm-hmm. What are we wasting our time doing when it comes to drumming that we could just be taking a slightly different approach? I think that's a pretty, as is usually the case, practical idea for life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We waste a lot of time doing things that <laughs> don't really matter in the yeah. end. And the same right. is certainly true of drumming. Have the last word, though. I know you have to have it. No, 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 take it. Before we get into it. the faith topic. I, I'm learning, and I'm growing. 
<laughs> I'm Great last to be a word. Okay, so now we get into the faith topic. Thank you, Tim, for uh, yes. finishing yes. that up for us. Of course. Do you want to have you the first word too? No, go go for it. <laughs> okay. Take this one. <laughs> All right, our faith topic. So, I received a message from someone on Instagram, and the recommendation was we should cover the idea of loyalty. They said something like. I've been listening to Holy Ghost Notes for years, and I have never heard you cover the topic of loyalty. And then they said to focus this in and maybe give some direction, loyalty as it pertains to your faith in God, staying loyal to your faith, staying loyal to what you believe. I guess another way to say this would be to remain faithful if you're faithful to someone, it means that you don't leave them and you don't go back on your word. You don't abandon them. You don't change your mind regardless of how many things change in your life. You are committed to the thing. Committed, mm -hmm. loyal, faithful. So I thought, you know what, this is a really good topic because as Christians, we've probably all heard this idea of, wait a second, did you hear about Jim Bob over there? He's, he's not a Christian anymore. What do you mean he's not a Christian anymore? Oh, he's, he's, he said he's, he's, not, he's not professing Christianity anymore. He, he's, he's not a Christian. He was, he's walked away from the faith. What? How can that be? And I guess the thought process here is, the thought process that I've heard, I shouldn't say I guess, what I've heard in this conversation is something like, how could you know God and know Jesus and have a relationship with him and actually choose to walk away from that? It must be the case, therefore, that they never knew God and they never actually had a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you're listening to this and you've heard that, conversation happened, or maybe you've had that thought before. Mm -hmm. um, this is a discussion that takes us into deep theological waters, I think. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of views on this, but I, my goal for this would be to just be uh, realistic about our own views on this and not try to talk about it in a way that we, we have no right to talk about it. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I'm not a theologian. Right. I love Jesus and I know he loves me and, and I've, <laughs> I have quite a few thoughts um, that surround that idea. But when it, when you really boil it down, what does it mean when someone says, I am no longer loyal to that thing I was loyal to, or I will forever, I will forever remain loyal no matter what happens in my life and no matter what new information I find out this is what I'm committed to. This is what I'm sticking to. I found the truth. I found the answer. I found this thing that I will never leave. I will never abandon. Mm -hmm. And so where I want to start with this actually is um, the idea of church. So hmm. I remember maybe 10 or 15 years ago hearing about how my generation <laughs> is not committed we just church hop. We just go from place to place and ah, maybe I don't need to go to church. I can just watch church from home. I believe that 
watching church from home and not actually being a part of a church long-term is destructive. I think having a church, having a community of people who surround you and keep you accountable, people that you can, can learn from and help and walk alongside of and read the Bible with and worship God in church on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night alongside of, I, I think these are all things that are, are biblical based on the book of Acts. And I think that they're very, very important. Now that leaves room for those of us that are maybe in a place where we're like, I don't want to go to church. I was just at a church. It was horrible. The last place on planet earth I want to be is a church. I was there. Tim, mm. you were there oh, yeah. for a while. And then we started this podcast. And if you walk through episode one to 70, you find that we worked through it to get to a place where it's like, you know what? I love Jesus and I am not going to allow this to be something that gets in the way of my relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that if you're in a place like that, it's, o it's okay, obviously, yeah. to be hurt by Christians because all you're saying is you're hurt by people and people are a lot of times doing things that make you say, what in the world are you doing? Mm -hmm. Why? Ew. I don't, ew, no, stay away from me. And then other times, if you give it a second shot, you look at someone who's a Christian, like my pastor was just talking about Sunday morning, you say, how in the world can you go through that experience and have this resolve? How can you experience grief and loss like that? I want to know how you do that. Tell me, show me, let me get close to you and figure out how is your faith so strong, right? And both of these parties are saying, I profess Christianity. And one is like, ew, I don't want to be like you. And the other is like, oh my gosh, teach me how you do this. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Such grief and such loss. And still you were able to stand and say, Jesus, I love you and I will follow you forever and ever. Amen. That is loyalty in the face of despair. I think the reason I start with the idea of church is because it just shows us that every one of us is trying to figure this out. And some people give us this idea of like, oh, that's so gross. But how do you know that they're going to be in that place a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now? And what are you doing to help them get to a place that's better than where they are? Maybe mm -hmm. they in a year from now will be at the place where they're going through something so unbelievably difficult and they're standing there with their head held high saying, I will never back down from Jesus. This is what I believe. Come join me. And if not, I'll be here by myself because he stood for me. I will stand for him. And that's the kind of person you admire, someone that will never walk away. And at one point, maybe a year prior, they're the most lukewarm. It's the most lukewarm thing you've ever seen in your life. I, I, I think loyalty to Jesus and loyalty to your faith, loyalty to anything is based on your relationship with the other party or parties. That's and exactly if it's right. real and if it's active and if you're engaged in a way where you're committed to figuring out and finding out and working and advancing and solving the questions and the riddles and all of the things that stand in the way of you getting closer, you're going to remain loyal to that thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
Um, I, uh, I have a lot to say on this topic and what I had planned to say, I am no longer going to say, not necessarily mm-hmm. because of what you just said, but because someone asked me this morning, why do you pray? And they just wanted mm-hmm. a simple answer. They're like, don't, don't give me a, a ton of information. I just, just want to know, like, why do you pray? God already knows what you're thinking. God already knows what's going to happen. What's the point? Why do you, why do you even pray? And my answer to them, I had to think about it for just really just a split second uh, because my simple answer is relationship. Uh, I know that God knows everything. <laughs> he knows my thoughts before I think them. He knows mm-hmm. what actions I'm going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, this actually falls in line a lot with what we started this entire episode with in that how could how, – how is it that I've been given this gift without earning it? And I mean, that's what a gift is, right? Someone gives you something. It's not because of something you did. It's not because you earned it. It's because they're giving you a gift. Hmm. And um, that is the one side of it. For me, relationship is bigger than receiving. And you see a lot of relationship issues because one party or both parties perhaps Hmm. think that it's all about receiving. Um, Where... We take relationship to just receiving from God <laughs> to <laughs> actual relationship is trust. And you cannot have trust in somebody unless you have a relationship, like an ongoing relationship. Hmm. I wouldn't be able to trust Matt if I didn't talk to him hmm. and know where he stood. And this is the thing is like, I'm sure you've heard the phrase like loyal to a fault. That is 100% a thing. A lot of people preach that loyalty is just a good characteristic to have regardless of the Mm. situation, but there is indeed, there is in fact loyalty to a fault. And that Mm -hmm. is when you are literally just loyal to this person to your own detriment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or you're not going to give up on them. And you are just hurting yourself in the process. Um, And I think that's where, you know, so you brought up church, and I think that's a great place to start because... Um, there are like, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to go there. Uh, there are people that I know who were loyal to their church to a fault. They knew that they did not agree with what was being taught. They knew that what was happening was toxic. Um, they knew that the leadership was driving the church to the ground and yet they felt like they were called to stay there, which is something I respect. And anytime we'd have this conversation, I'd hear the same things. This is happening. This is happening. I can't stand it. This is, you know, it's all I can think about. I'm not, I'm, I'm upset. I'm depressed. And, and all I could think about is like, okay, like I respect that you're called there and that you're sticking to it, but to what end Mm -hmm. are you like, if this church, as you're putting it is being driven to the ground, are you going to go to the ground with it? Mm -hmm. Because that is going to hurt so much more than just cutting ties and exiting now. So when it comes to church, and this is the distinction that needs to be made. Yeah. I believe that church is important when it is healthy. And Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. Like you could attend virtual church. You could be in New Jersey or Pennsylvania and attend Bethel in California. That's fine. If you get something out of it, awesome. But I don't really consider that church. I consider that entertainment. 
Absolutely. <laughs> or, or fulfillment, whatever you want to call it. I would it. say it could be an edifying, a very yeah, edifying. It could be edifying. But you could learn agree, things from it. Is, but you're not really not cutting church. your teeth with anybody. There's no accountability, like Matt said. And that's where church becomes important. But it's also important to know that not, well, in general, churches are not perfect. Mm-hmm. So you got to, and if you haven't found that out yet, you'll find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trust me. You're going to find out that church is not perfect. There are issues with the church, with people. That's just an inevitable thing because people are not perfect. It's going to happen. Um, but loyalty to the church is different than loyalty to Christ. And what I've exactly. found is that there's a lot Amen. of people who are, quote unquote, they've fallen from Christianity. They've, you know, stepped away from the church. They've <laughs> renounced their faith. I've heard that so many times. Then when I actually have conversations with these people, that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. They just left their church. It was right. toxic <laughs> to them. It was harmful. It was not a good thing. Um, in many cases, they actually are more in love with Jesus than I've ever heard before. Now, mm-hmm. in other cases, yes, they did in fact <laughs> renounce their faith more or less, or, or they're just being honest and saying, I don't know the truth. I'm still mm-hmm. looking for it, which is, it's better to be honest than faking it. Honestly, like it's if, it's certainly better to be in that position than someone who's just going yeah. through the motions on a Sunday morning. Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you care. You care yeah. enough to ask. Someone yeah. who's just sitting there going through the motions, you, it just shows that you don't really care. Mm-hmm. You just It's just the easier, more simple throughway. And someone who actually cares is going to say, I don't know about this. Yeah, that's That's not easy. That's challenging and hard right. and probably going to create some friction in your life. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think loyalty really proves itself like when you're willing to stick with somebody through the hard times. So I agree with that. And I think that's how a lot of people mm-hmm. see maybe the you know, their bad experiences with church. And you have to you have to gauge that for yourself. You know, I'm not telling that's anyone, a good point. hey, leave your church because it's hard. Like that mm-hmm. that's not at all what I'm trying to say. But you have to be able to gauge and it's tough. It's really tough. But you have to be able to gauge is this hurting me or is it helping me? Am I in mm-hmm. this just because I'm loyal to a fault or, it, you know, is this something that we can work through and mm-hmm. benefit from at the end of the day? Like I'm loyal to Matt because, uh, he's, he's my friend, uh, because, um, we share a common goal in life, not drumming, just, you know, the way we think, the way we approach life, how we want to uh, treat people, how we mm-hmm. want to better the people around us. Like that's something that we share. How we like want to raise I, our family. Yeah, how we want to raise our, family, our families. Raise our kids. Um, exactly. And it's like um, that's something we share and, and we find loyalty there. I, I've had to not necessarily cut people out of my life per se, but there have, peop- there have been people that I've been loyal to regardless of, you know, who they've become. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not the same people that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. They're not the same person that I, you know, uh, shared deep conversations with. And for me, I'm the type of person where even my acquaintances are friends. I have one good conversation with someone and they're a friend of mine. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's me. 
uh, and that is sometimes harmful <laughs> when it comes to like, you know, I want to bend over backwards for every single one of these people because they're my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm loyal to them. Um, but it, but sometimes you get to the point where it's like, okay, I need to detach. Mm-hmm. I can't always be there for this person or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you need to recognize that they just don't want to uh, invest in the relationship anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I've been reaching out and reaching out, trying to make something happen and they just aren't interested and I have to accept that and that's okay. Um, I don't think that's that makes you disloyal is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. So trying to I, I think, round out the, the loyalty uh, subject, you know, um, I, I think I think it's the okay. loyalty for faith is is separate than the loyalty you're talking about for yeah. people and that but and, i think a lot of people that's, will that's bundle that this, in right let's figure I, out this distinction yeah. so okay so i'll make the argument for for loyalty and faith and you make yeah. the argument for loyalty like you just did to friends and family and people mm-hmm. in faith i think being loyal means having a clear mind taking in all the information around you being critical of the thing, the faith, in my case, Jesus, the person I have a relationship with, loyal and constantly looking to refine what is true about this person that I am following, that, I've, that I will give my life for, that says they've given their life for me. And, and the way to do that is to do your due diligence, to read the Bible. The Bible is the way to figure out who is this person. In order to be loyal, you have to know what you're loyal to, who is the recipient of your loyalty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm loyal to whatever it, you know inanimate object it is well what 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 does that even mean you you don't you can't even know the thing to be loyal yeah. to it so the more that you test and critique and maybe even say doubt there will be even more trust and more understanding mm. and more loyalty that's been my experience with ABR over the past 20 years it's been me sitting in Amsterdam in 2008 while everyone else went out to have a good time and I'm sitting there just fuming I'm a good guy. I'm sitting here. I'm not going out having a good time in Amsterdam because I'm a Christian. Yeah, but what are you doing, Matt? Sitting here fuming, looking down your nose at everyone else saying, look at me. Yeah. I'm not doing those things. Yeah, but what are you doing in your heart? Yeah. Okay, so, God, what do I do with this situation? Take a look at who I am. Take a look at my motives. In faith... You, you can't be loyal unless you know the recipient of your loyalty is trustworthy. Unless mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, you know. And it's a constant every day, every week, every month, every year pursuit of reading the Bible and interacting with other Christians. And yes, some of them will, <laughs> they will run you off the road and you're going to be like, well, was that? Jesus? Is that what Jesus is all about? Let me see. Let me test. Mm. Let me just push back again. Now, that doesn't seem like it's it's not in line with fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. No, 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 no. That's, that's not going to work. Okay, so that's just a human being being a human being. Okay, yeah. well, I'm actually no better than them. 
So let's just get that out of the way. I'm not going to look down my nose at that person that just did that. In fact, I'm going to pray for them because that's actually what the Bible says. I'm going to test my faith in order to be loyal to it. I have to understand it. And the Bible says, forgive. Mm. And you forgave once, forgive again. Why? Yeah. Because you've been forgiven. Do you deserve it? Absolutely not. Yeah. So loyalty is not blind faith. It's not this walking around like, I'm going to just pretend and close my eyes. Now, the distinction between that and being loyal to someone, let's try to make a distinction between the two, because I yes. think there is one. There is, and I'm going to throw a wrench in real quick, and I feel bad because I feel like I've been playing devil's advocate this entire conversation. Um, you better. But This isn't you know. some softball podcast. <laughs> this is right. holy good snits. So, so what we're basically saying is loyalty. You're, you're being loyal to the, uh, to the belief factor the the you're loyal to your to to your beliefs because so here's the wrench i'm gonna throw it out there mm -hmm. <laughs> i feel it, like you've already thrown it, it I've, just I've, I, yeah so yeah. Um, i am wondering and i don't have the answer to this necessarily. oh wonderful you're that uh, guy I, I don't am, have the answer I'm, to this, but uh, I'm throwing, I'm throwing <laughs> the wrench. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out together, or at least try to get an idea of what we think or what we feel here. Okay. Uh, we might not align on it. It's okay. Um, so if you're loyal to somebody, and you have to go up to bat for them, or you want to stand behind them when they are standing up for something that you don't believe is right. Is that loyalty? Because you're actually being, if if I understand our conversation so far, you're actually being disloyal to something. If you were to either reject that friend that you're loyal to because their opinion does not align with yours, mm -hmm. or you're rejecting your own belief by standing behind the person, mm -hmm. <laughs> being loyal to the friend, and backing them up. Okay, does, let's pull does that this out of the clouds a little bit. Not really. Yeah. Let me try to make it more clear in my court and see if it helps to find the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in my life, there have been times that I have turned my back on God. And I've said, God, I know what you say about me. I know what you say about other people. I know what you say about yourself. And I'm choosing in this moment to... Do the opposite of what you say is the right thing to do. I'm turning my back. And whether it's a week, a month, a year later, I turn myself back around, usually at a low point, and I see in my life God's grace and providence still there for me. And I think to myself, how in the world do I deserve that? I wasn't loyal, in a sense, to this person not the belief that is Christianity, you know, the act of being a Christian, but to this mm -hmm. person. Yeah. And, and they have given, they have extended what I don't deserve in my direction, regardless of what I've done in the past. And I wish I could talk about an example. I, I, I can't, I can't um, without saying names, and I'd rather mm -hmm. not go there, but there is a particular example where recently I, I, something happened and my first thought was, oh my gosh, I do not deserve that wonderful, amazing circumstance. And I thought, boy, it could have been so many other 
there could have been so many other conclusions or so many different outcomes. That's the word mm-hmm. for what happened here. And look at the one I got. Oh my gosh, I did not deserve that. That is grace. You get something you don't deserve. And so based on that outcome, which by the way is years after the fact, I see I see a God, I see Jesus, I see my Savior taking care of me when there were many, many times in the course of that year, a couple years, I didn't feel like there was that care. Mm. I felt like I was alone. And yet the whole time he was there, the whole time he never turned away. It was actually me that did that. And so the beauty in this is that you can turn away. And my hope and prayer is that one day you have the realization where you turn around and you see that he has never turned his back. Yeah. Even though you turn yours. And and can you say that about every b- person you meet? Can you say that about a friend that you know, uh you've you've turned your back on that you can just go back and things are going to be okay? I hope that's a good friend. Mm-hmm. Can you say that about every marriage you've ever seen that's broken, fallen apart? Yeah. It's a, it's a you know, divorce is a horrible thing, but it's when it's when two people who were loyal to each other who made a covenant say I am no longer committed to this. I am no longer loyal to this relationship. And yet the most important relationship of all time that we could ever find in our lives is the relationship we have with Jesus. And we're given the kind of grace that we can can certainly not expect from anyone on a, on a much more superficial surface level. Hmm. Yeah. So I want to paint another hypothetical. Okay. And branch away slightly, <laughs> just okay. no, just slightly from the spiritual, because uh-huh. the spiritual is absolutely important. And if we're going to talk about loyalty, I mean, let's just take God as an example, because <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah, right. You just you just outlined that perfectly. The hypothetical I want to paint is okay. So you have a friend, and uh, you might have used words with this person like, "I've got your back." You know, I got you. You know, I'm your bud. Like. I've, I've always got your back, whatever you need, I'm standing behind you. And this friend proceeds to take a stance on something that you disagree with or that you know mm-hmm. is wrong. Maybe you don't disagree with it right up front, but you you know it's wrong. You know he's mm-hmm. he's in the wrong. But because he's your bud, because he, he's your friend, maybe at first you'll try to say like, hey, man, maybe think twice about this. Like that's what I would do if, you know, if, if it was the two of us and you were saying something that was a little off base, I'd be like, are you sure that's the right, maybe just let's just rethink this a little bit. Like here's, mm-hmm. let's look at the facts, you know, but say, I, say I can't convince you and this is not, I'm not <laughs> beating around the bush here, Matt. There's mm-hmm. nothing like that going on, but, but I'm just, I'm just painting a picture. So say this friend keeps his stance. What are you going to do? What is the loyal thing to do? Is it stand behind him, back him up because he's your friend and you're going to be loyal to him? Or is it, no, man, I can't, I can't stand with you on this. I just, it's wrong and I disagree. This is a tough one. Uh, I I feel like you're loyal to your guns or you're loyal uh, to your friend. I feel like it's, I feel like it's so hypothetical. So if, if it doesn't shake me, if it doesn't change how I live my life and change my convictions, then absolutely I stay loyal to my friend. He might be in a completely different place and be off the rails in certain ways, and I'm going to be there for him. Not because 
I agree with him, and and also not because I'm looking to make him exactly like me, but because he's my friend. Yeah. And I think the way that we as Christians affect the world is by by remaining loyal to those around us who are different than us, mm-hmm. being being the kind of people who do as they say and say as they do. Does that make sense? Say as they do. Say as they do. Do as they say. Either way, you get the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I stay loyal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's an actual thing that's happened in my life, and this is okay. partly where this is coming from. Uh, I had who I would have considered one of my best friends, very, very close for a certain stage of my life, certain period of my life. Um, his dad was attacked, physically attacked, and was concussed. And my friend was like, let's go find this kid and beat him up. Now, I disagree with violence of any kind. I think that there should always be a peaceful resolution or that there should be other authorities brought in to handle situations like this. Mm -hmm. So you're saying you went and beat him up. I did not go to beat him up. I did not. (laughs) Thankfully, there was a way out. Uh, (laughs) There was an out. (laughs) But, But, you know, part of me wanted to support him. I wanted to be there with him. I, I wanted to be loyal to him. I was pissed too that his dad got attacked. I was like, what in the world? How can we let this person get away with this? Um, I wanted to. Um, and th- thankfully, I, there was a way out. But, but I, it just made me think of this. It's like, you know, I disagree with violence. Mm-hmm. It would be just as wrong for me to go and, you know, pummel this kid as it was for this kid to attack his dad in the first place. I mean, just, it's... fighting you know fire with fire which i guess some would consider to be a good thing Mm -hmm. but it's like you know in in the world standards that is loyalty Mm -hmm. oh you you went with your friend and you beat this kid up because his dad got attacked yeah absolutely you are a loyal friend you know that's how the world would see it but others might see it as like wow you abandoned your beliefs you abandoned Mm -hmm. what you uh feel strongly about you went yeah you know you you hate violence you stand against violence whenever you can but then when this situation arose you abandoned your beliefs you were disloyal you know so it's a really tough place again i don't have i don't have the answer i think i do (laughs) i think i do i think the answer is you remain loyal to your friend and you say as your friend don't go do this this is not okay I will still be your friend regardless of what you do because I love you and you're my friend. Yeah. But I will not join you in doing this and I am not okay with this and I would encourage you to not do this. This will ruin your life. You will go to jail and you will actually not feel better on the other end of this. That's uh, a good... Maybe, maybe you will for a little bit, but you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long term, this is not a viable solution. Let yeah. the authorities come in and take force. But b- by the way, I love you. I'm sorry this happened to you and yeah. I'm, I'm here for you. But that's my and stance. And what I, very well I'm could happen friend. is he goes and beats up that kid anyway, and uh-huh. you stay out of it, and he resents you for the rest of your life for not joining him in it. But <laughs> yes, it could. But that's but, uh, on that's on you him. know right, right. But so that you know the question is like, uh, I think I think loyalty is an interesting subject because it can be perceived. It's 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 all about how it's perceived. But what we know, and what I'm glad I'm so glad that you hit on is that there is someone who is always loyal no matter what we do. No matter mm-hmm. what choice we make, no matter how many times we aren't loyal and look the other way, pursue other things, there is one, there is someone who we always know will be loyal, will always be there for us, and we don't deserve it, right? Amen. 
That's the final word. That's the final word. We're wrapping this up. Uh, thank you. And it was for your final word. The contribution. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. No! <laughs> Jello shots. All right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you to the Instagrammer who sent me the message about loyalty. That was a great topic. We've never covered it. I think um, it's, hard to, it's hard to find new topics after about 100 episodes, but here we are <laughs> doing our best. Yeah. Um, thank you to the Inner Circle for supporting this podcast. We have been, uh, we've been around for a lot longer than any of us could have imagined, and it is in large part due to your support. That's I'm right. pointing at you. Inner Circle, thank you very much. We do a pre-roll with the Inner Circle before every podcast recording. If you're interested in signing up, you can be a part of that. You can be a part of the community, which we would argue is the best part. There are also multiple tiers on Patreon that you can be uh, the beneficiary of. Follow mm -hmm. us on all Instagram, Twitter, social media accounts. Facebook. Tim Anderson, Holy Ghost Notes. Matthew At Holy Griner. Ghost Notes. Yeah, Matthew Griner. I had to pluralize yeah. Holy Ghost Notes. I got it, though. <laughs> There's an S at the end of our podcast yes. name. Yes. Yep. Thank you all for listening, and uh, thank you, Tim, for mm -hmm. a great conversation. You can have the yeah. final word. This is a good one. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. I'm delighted. Uh, yeah, if you're if you like what you hear, well, if you if you this is your first time, thank you for listening. Well, welcome. This has been great. Um, and uh, if you like what you hear, and you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, drop us a review, please. Uh, be much appreciated. And uh, yeah, um, till next time. Uh, and you want to hear Matt do some really cool uh, walking farts sounding drum beats and uh, <laughs> write some new songs live on the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. Tune in next time. We, we do these every uh, every month, twice, twice a month on the 10th and the 25th. Uh, so tune in. Thank you for your support thus far. We're losing our minds over here. And uh, I'm okay. I think, I think you are. <laughs> Final word, you've been, it has been redacted. And the <laughs> sentence has been delivered. You're never doing this again. Okay, never. Don't let me do this ever again. I, I like you, Tim. You're a good guy. <laughs> Thank you. I like you too. And we like all of you for listening. Thank you yes. very much. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one. Until next time. Peace. Yeah, I've been a van for 20 years, so uh, I can kind of do what I want to do, when I want to do, what I want to do. What do you want to do? What I 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 do? What do you want to do? What I 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 do?